In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Today's message is part one of a two-part series on faith in the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, This week, one point, with faith, it's possible to have nothing and yet to have everything. In two weeks, when I'm back in the pulpit, it'll be the converse from chapter 12. Without faith, it's possible to have everything and yet to have nothing. First, a word about the audience of the re- or the readership of the letter to the Hebrews. The setting for this letter, I think, is just before the outbreak of the Jewish war in the late 60s, some 30 years or so after Jesus' death and resurrection. Jew- a Jewish Christian church has been thriving in the land of Israel, but Jewish Christians are being rejected by fellow countrymen as being unpatriotic because as Christians, they're not joining the violent uprising against Rome that we know is going to result in the destruction of Jerusalem. One large lesson with faith, it's possible to have nothing even when you're being rejected by your fellow countrymen and yet to have everything. And the writer gives us three indications that that is true. First, creation. People may take everything from you, but they cannot take away the fact that you know the creator of heaven and earth. Listen to Hebrews 11, 1 and 3. Faith is the substance, the reality of things hoped for, the conviction of matters that are not seen. By faith, we understand that the worlds were crafted. We get the word artisan from this. The worlds were artisaned by the word of God so that the things that are seen have come from things that are not seen. I don't know if you followed the, uh, watched any of the Marvel movies But this is the opposite of Thanos, who, with a snap of his finger, just creates death. The best of science tells us that something went bang, and within seconds, this was all here. We have to think it's a little more sophisticated than that. It's been the great mystery of how did something go bang? We know that something thing went bang because someone spoke. You, the writer says, are surrounded by signs of God's creative intent, of existence itself, of life. And all that you may have is sunrises and sunsets, stars in the sky, flowers in the field, nature that dances, but you know the Creator who will finally make all things bright and beautiful and right, who will make things now invisible, justice, mercy, peace, goodness, perhaps your own well-being. He will make that all eventually 
visible, just like he made creation itself. If you believe that, the writer would have you know, nobody can take that away. That hope is yours. Because with faith, you can have nothing, yet have everything. Second, your forebears, in this case, Abraham and Sarah and their sons, lived as strangers and aliens, and yet by faith, they looked for a country and a city. When Abraham was called, he didn't know where he was going. Even when he got to the land of promise, he lived in it as an outsider, intense. Maybe not like the refugees in tents on the Texas-Mexico border. Maybe more like a motel on iDrive. But not exactly a palatial mansion. Never really home. Because as verse 10 says, he was awaiting a city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. If by faith you call that city your home, nobody can take it away. Because with faith, you can have nothing and yet have everything. Third, your forebears, Abraham and Sarah, were childless and beyond national, natural capacity, yet believing. They counted God faithful who had promised, and God gave them, despite their incapacity, children without number, as it says in verse 12, like the stars, the heavens in number, and like the sand alongside the seashore without number. Whatever life options appear to be shutting down on you, you can know that his life options for you are infinitely wide. You know the gospel promises health, resurrection even one day, but you see your body decaying. You've no idea how your buoyancy buoys others. You were promised newness of mind when you became a follower of Christ, but obsessions don't just go away. You've no idea how your simply staying in the battle fortifies others. You feel like you have a story to tell, but nobody's listening. But then again, you never really know, do you? If by faith you believe that he can reach beyond your reach, nobody can take that away from you. Because with faith, you can have nothing and yet have everything. This one large lesson that with faith you can have nothing and yet have everything comes because of one large secret. You know that what lies ahead is a banquet with a surprise server. For that, we have to look over at Luke. Luke chapter 12, verse 37. Listen to these amazing words. Blessed are those slaves who, when the Lord comes, finds them keeping watch. The word here is the word that we get the name Gregory from. Keeping watch, being a good Gregory, 
Truly I say to you. Now Luke doesn't have a lot of truly I say to you saying. So when he puts it in, heads up, that he, the Lord who returns, will wrap a towel around his waist that's girding up his loins. And he will cause them to recline at table because that's how people ate back then. And he will come and he will set a table for them and serve them. He uses the word that we get deacon from. The Lord of glory comes and he will wrap himself once again with a servant's tower, towel and he will serve his people. A most surprising compliment to our portrait of Christ as triumphant, returning, Alpha Omega King. He returns, he shows up once again to take up once again the towel and the basin. I know of no other faith or creed or manifesto or program that puts anything like this on offer. And Luke offers us three so what's. And I invite you when you can to look at the rest of the Luke 12 passage when you're able. You'll see three emphases. One, sell your possessions and provide for the poor. Now, I don't know what to tell you this is supposed to mean for you and me. Fall is coming. We have normal stewardship campaign. We've got capital campaign. And I don't want want people to hear my voice or the church's voice saying more than than needs to be said about what God wants from you in your generosity. So many of you are already generous beyond your capacity. I I know that biblical giving starts with a tithe. I know that a lot of people are there. A lot of people are striving towards it. And also know that there's a joy of going way beyond a tithe. The most joyful person I've ever met was Sister Kathy Gannon a Catholic nun who moved into the projects in my hometown of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Taking a vow of celibacy, she wore a wedding ring because she saw herself as being married to Jesus. In taking a vow of poverty, she lived not above the means of the people that she was living with. Even, this is hard for me because I'm 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 a book hoarder, She had resolved that she would have one bookcase of books, and every time she bought, once she filled it up, every time she bought a new book, she would get rid of another book to have space in there. And I've always aspired to have the heart and the spirit and the joy of generous sister Kathy Gannon. So, sell your possessions and provide for the poor, Jesus says. Second, Hold your post through the night. He commends, he commends the servants who stay up all night because they don't know whether the master is coming back in the second watch or the third watch. And you and I are called to hold our position. 
It may be during a night of spiritual darkness, a night of depression, a night of seemingly few or no results, a night of being ignored, a night of diminishing capacity, a night of unreached goals and expectations. And I think of my friend Chuck Fromm, who founded Maranatha Music and and, uh, is the editor of Worship Leader Magazine, for whom I wrote for a number of years. In recent years, he's just a couple years older than I. He's had a couple of strokes and surgery that have severely impacted his capacity to be productive, and yet he keeps doing what he's got to do, even though when I call him, he's got to give the phone to his wife so that we can have the conversation and she can explain to him what's going on. He's holding on in the second and the third watch, and I'm called and you are called to do the same. And then third, We're called to hold forth a different kind of Christ, one who rules by serving, who demands by offering, who can love you like this. Howard Thurman was an African-American Baptist minister from Daytona Beach who became mentor to Dr. Martin Luther King and other civil rights leaders. Howard's father died when he was seven. And he came to love Jesus through his mother and especially his grandmother, Nancy Ambrose, who had been a slave on a plantation a little east of Tallahassee. Howard Thurman's faith was shaped by his grandmother's sense that Jesus chooses the disinherited and that Jesus comes to serve. And one day will serve a banquet to all those who have faithfully served him. As a result, Howard Thurman would steer the civil rights movement towards nonviolence. During the Montgomery marches, King read Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited. And Thurman went on to caution all of us who want to offer Jesus that we can't do so out of any sort of a feeling of superiority whether it's spiritual or cultural or racial, because our God came to save us with a towel around his waist and on his knees washing feet, meaning we're all brothers and sisters, all fellow humans, all in need of the kind of love we find only in a Jesus who came and against all expectations will come again with towel and basin. And so, friends, As you come to this table today, I urge you, come without pretense or pride. Come in gratitude. Come alongside fellow sinners. Come receive love like no other, love that makes you a lover. Come receive medicine for your soul that you might be a healer. And as Prayer C in our Book of Common Prayer would have it, yes, come and find solace for any sorrow and also strength for any task. Come receive pardon for any wrong that you've done and also renewal to be a part of God's making all things right. Praying again in closing our collect for the day. Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the spirit to think 
and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. 